And about almost seven months ago, I guess it's been more than six months ago, almost seven months ago, um, I lost Winter to a, uh, a heart failure, like in a moment's notice. She was one minute um, alive and laughing with my girls, my nieces, and the next minute her heart stopped and um, she was gone. The wi- my wife of 15 years and my best friend and my girl's, um, my girl's mom. And um, yeah, she was gone. Hey guys, Jared here from the Dad Tired Podcast. Super glad that you decided to hang out with us today. Uh, We're going to hear more from Jonathan and his story of how he tragically lost his wife really unexpectedly. Uh, He's also going to share some really good wisdom with us. But before we dive in, I do want to thank my friends over at Faithbox for sponsoring this episode. Faithbox is an amazing subscription box service that inspires daily Christian living for us as followers of Jesus. Every month, Faithbox sends a box straight to your door filled with scriptures, challenges, devotions, and prayers. They also include a Christian book and products by companies from around the world that are giving back to those in need. My box came in yesterday and I had a new pair of socks from Sky Footwear, super cool company. For every pair of socks that are sold, one pair is given to a local homeless shelter. I would have never known about that company had I not got my faith box. If you're looking for a way to grow in your faith while also supporting companies that are making change around the world, you're definitely going to want to sign up for Faithbox. I've worked out a special deal for the Dad Tired audience where you can receive $10 off your first subscription if you use the promo code TIRED. Again, you'll get $10 off your first subscription by using the promo code TIRED. Go to faithbox.com forward slash tired and use my promo code TIRED, T-I-R-E-D at checkout. Again, that's faithbox.com forward slash tired. Use promo code TIRED at checkout. Jonathan, super excited to have you today, man. I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. For the audience who doesn't know you, uh, tell us who you are and what you're up to these days. Sure. Well, uh, I am a dad to four girls, uh, Alina, 14, Caitlin, 12, and then twins, Olivia and Cameron, who are both nine years old. Obviously, they're both nine years old since they're twins. But uh, I also um, recently started pastoring uh, in Franklin, Tennessee, which is a suburb of Nashville or a town outside of Nashville. I'm the executive pastor at a church called Church of the City. And I've been doing a little bit of speaking outside of that, a little bit of writing. And um, it's been the craziest uh, six months of my life, but I'm still here and I'm still standing. So, yeah. Mm. I want to dive into the last six months of your life. Um, but before we do, I, I look at houses in Franklin every single day on Zillow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't anymore. It depressed me when I first started looking. I'm still depressed. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, I live in the West Coast. And uh, so I'm just always looking for houses here. And uh, it's real, real depressing. Oh, like, uh, you know, it's you... funny. Yeah, I'm thinking it's expensive, but I was coming from Texas. So like N- Nashville and Franklin is expensive to me. But coming from your area, it's like a welcomed relief, I guess. huh? Every day I show my wife a house. I'm like, babe, like we could get a house like six times our size <laughs> for like a fraction of what houses are here. It's just oh. nuts. Perspective is everything because coming That's from Texas, right. I've got two sisters in California who would die to have my house as big as it is for as cheap as it is for them. Right. But coming from Texas, I was just like, man, housing's crazy in Tennessee. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, so we, we actually wrote for the same publisher, um, Harvest House, which is, oh, yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've got a book coming out with them later this year. You just um, released a book with them. Um, but before we like dive into the specifics of the book, I want to go into the last six months for you because I know you have gone through a whirlwind. Can you kind of catch us up to what life has looked like for you the last six months? 
Yeah, so just to <clears throat> kind of get to that point really quickly, um, my wife, uh, Winter, uh, married 15 years and 27 days. Uh, my wife and I met in college and started doing life together, married quickly, had um, our four girls pretty quickly. We had four, we had four girls under uh, five, eight, five years old and under at one point and just got into the parenting thing. And first five years were really tough as we tried to figure out what was life going to look like, just her and I and these new babies and having to undo all the history and sin issues and all the stuff that we were just facing uh, as young adults. We got married at 23. The next five years were just a journey of um, just kind of receiving each other and just accepting some things that we couldn't change and doing all that stuff. And then the last five years uh, were just an incredible journey of doing life together and ministry together. Um, I ran a ministry called The Urban Alternative for Tony Evans, who's a radio guy for a lot of people know him, radio guy and great men's leader for seven years and worked with him for 10 years and worked with that, the Evans family for 15 years, um, the last 15 years. But I also helped my wife launch a ministry um, for girls. She launched a magazine called For Girls Like You, and she started publishing around um, parenting girls and uh, titles for girls and their parents. And so we started doing that together. And the last five years has been an amazing year, uh, journey of just doing ministry together and life together and loving each other well and growing in intimacy. And about almost seven months ago, I guess it's been more than six months ago, almost seven months ago, um, I lost Winter to a... Uh, a heart failure, like in a moment's notice, she was one minute, um, alive and laughing with my girls, my nieces. And the next minute her heart stopped and, um, she was gone. The wife, my wife of 15 years and my best friend and my girls, um, my girl's mom. And, um, yeah, she was gone really, really quickly, really suddenly. Yeah. And, um, still hard to process even as I talk, I mean, I've talked so yeah. much about it, but, yeah. um, yeah, man, can you, I mean, I imagine that you have, um, been experiencing all the stages of grief. You, you're probably experiencing multiple stages in, in the matter of days, if not hours. Um, where are you at like today, man? Like what, how are you doing right now? Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. We're seven months out and I would say like early on, are you an Enneagram guy, by the way? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a three on the Enneagram, which basically yeah, me means an achiever. Yeah. Are you a three? Yep. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, for me, like the minute I mean, within minutes of it happening, my mind was already reeling with, okay, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? And mm. within the first couple of days, I'm like, okay, I got this. Like God's put it in front of me. I can do it. And the, you know, what's funny is the more I get out, the more I realize the grandness of my loss. And, mm. um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a realist, so I've never been, um, uh, in denial, uh, or at least I haven't been in denial, like in the classic sense, but you know, now I miss her more than I ever have. Um, I'm more aware of, um, uh, her absence more than I ever have been. And this week, like I, I cried this morning as I read an email from a friend of ours, just recalling a couple stories. I cried watching Forrest Gump earlier this week with my girls. Mm -hmm. I cried sitting there talking to my girls, listening to a Tori Kelly song, um, that has this line. I've been stuck in winter since the fall of misery. And my wife's name is winter. So like mm -hmm. just things like that, that just makes me <clears throat> realize kind of what I've gone through. So I've been really, I think, um, um, just aware of my loss. But on the other side of that, I've called it kind of the great paradox because on one side there's great sorrow. Um, but on the other side, which is my hopeful, optimistic, trusting God side is, um, I think just a deep gratitude for what I had and an awareness of what I didn't deserve in her. And so I'm just, man, I'm just really grateful. So every time I cry, it's tears of both sadness and joy. It's just a weird paradox that I've never experienced at this height, at least. So, yeah. 
because she wasn't like she was she had no prior symptoms right now she had a heart murmur which i think like 10 percent of the country has heart murmurs so it's not like a it's not a really big deal um you know we went to the cardiologist once a year and the cardiologist would say hey your heart's not growing and it's doing well you have to have a valve replacement eventually maybe when you're 50 but like valve replacements are so common these days yeah. So for us, it was always something we were mindful of. And, you know, she'd have to take like a baby aspirin a day, but it wasn't anything that we ever thought would be life threatening. And the worst we thought about was, you know, would one day she have to have a valve replacement? And if she did, that would just slow our lives down. And, you know, like we made a decision to stop having babies uh, because she was considered high risk with uh, that. And, um, you know, but no, it wasn't something we thought about every day. And it was super sudden. She was healthy. She was living kind of her best life, so to say, in the sense that yeah. she was caring for herself and, watching her diet and all that. And, uh, God just took her home. Um, mm. for whatever reason, it was really quick, really sudden. And it was honestly like, I'm really thankful. It was really peaceful. Like she left this world very peaceful and a lot of people don't get that opportunity. And, mm. uh, so I'm thankful for that. So how are your girls doing, man? They're doing well. I mean, they're all different. I mean, you know, four girls that are all preteens and teens right now are tweens and teens. Um, they're all very different and they react very differently. I've had one that's been dealt with a lot of anger, uh, early on. That's now by Christmas, she was kind of mellowing out from that. And, uh, they're all in counseling. Um, there's a counselor here in town, uh, an, she's an awesome author and an awesome counselor called Sissy Goff is her name. And she's been counseling my girl since we got here and she's been amazing. And, um, so we've just, you know, tried to deal with the reality, work through things. My sister moved in with us, um, back in September and she's single, never been married, no kids. And she has become a surrogate mom to my girls. And she's mm-hmm. watching a movie downstairs. My girls are home from school cause it's, there's flooding here. So my girls are out of school and they're watching the movie right now and hanging out, you know? Uh, wow. so I'm really thankful. Yeah. God's provided. Wow, wow man. Well, uh, and I, I, did I hear that? Like, so you guys co-wrote this book emptied. Um, and then you had turned in the manuscript for the book and that was the day that she passed away. Is that right? Yeah, we um the last two titles, well, the only two titles I've ever worked on, and the last two that I worked on with her were, because um, I would edit for her as well, but uh, we did a parenting book and then uh, emptied. We t- I Basically, we had turned the book in in May, like the first manuscript, and uh, I had to send an email off to Harvest House, our publisher, um, with the final edited manuscript. I had to sign the manuscript form, and at 3.45 on July 24th, um, it was the last thing I did before I left my office. We are actually in the middle of our transition uh, to Nashville from Dallas, where we lived at the time. And I signed that, sent it off an email. Don't tell uh, Harvest House, but I actually signed her signature on there. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> sent that off. And um, yeah, it was the, the final edited last, the last thing I did. And honestly, I got home about two hours later because uh, I had to do, run some errands and um two hours after that, she would, um, she would pass away like really quick. And for me, that was like just this reminder. And I wrote in the front of the book after the fact that, you know, only God gets to know and tell us when our book is going to close, you know, and from, from, Mm -hmm. from a marriage perspective, like one of the things I'm really grateful for is that Winter and I weren't perfect, but we were really intentional in our marriage. So like now when I sit in my counselor's office and I cry and I weep and I talk to my counselor about a lot of different things I'm struggling with, one of the things I don't struggle with is, um, regarding like whether or not I gave it my best and gave it my all. Like I can sit there like thankful that like our race was 15 years. It's a short race, but I gave it the best I had, not perfectly, but at least intentionally. And, um, yeah, man, I just loved her well, or I tried to love her well. And she knew that. And so mm-hmm. I don't have like this, um, internal struggle of, I wish I would have, I wish I could have, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I wish I would have done some things earlier, but right. I feel like God just gave me the grace just to, to, to love her well. Um, 
in the end. And I'm thankful for that. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the interview so far. I just want to take a quick minute and tell you guys about my friends over at KiwiCo. KiwiCo is this company that creates these amazing hands-on projects for kids that make learning super fun. Uh, as you guys know, I'm a homeschool dad, so I'm always looking for creative ways to engage my kids and also try to make sure that they're continuing to learn and most importantly, uh, still having a lot of fun while they're doing it. Um, with a KiwiCo subscription, each month your child's going to receive a fun, engaging new project that will develop their creativity and their confidence. It's super important for us as dads that uh, we put our kids in situations where they learn to problem solve on their own. And that's what I love about KiwiCo. That's exactly what they help you do and help your kids practice. Their mission is to empower kids, not just to make a project, but to make a difference. Uh, your kids are going to learn necessary life skills and they're also going to have a ton of fun while they're doing these educational projects. And the best part is you don't have to like go to the store, make any extra trips uh, to the store to have these projects. They'll deliver everything straight to your door. I've worked out a super good deal. Uh, one of the best deals that we have uh, where you're actually going to get a box for free. If you just go to kiwico.com forward slash dad's hired, they'll send you your first box for free. So again, that's kiwico.com forward slash dad tired, K-I-W-I-C-O dot com forward slash dad tired yeah you talk about that in the book about not being perfect but being intentional can you elaborate a little bit on that like what does that look like what does it mean for like a guy to be intentional in his marriage yeah i would say like most guys and this was me early on in marriage like um we think about, we have good intentions. Like we think about things that we want to do or we want to, we want to try to do in our marriage. We know where our pitfalls are. It's not like most guys aren't naive about what they're needing to grow in. Um, but there's a big difference between good intentions and intentionality. Intentionality actually looks like something. So like, you know, the Bible says, husbands love your wives, like Christ loved the church. Well, what does that look like? You know? So like for me, that was like laying down a lot of selfishness and laying down a lot of things that I cared about that my wife could have cared less about. One of the things I talk about really vulnerably in the book, and I just spoke on it for the first time uh, at a men's conference last week, is the fact that I was 21 years old and um, my wife and I were either engaged or right before we got engaged, we're like sitting on the steps in front of her apartment and uh, having like this intimate conversation about our future. And I just say to her, hey, babe, you know what? Like, it would really be hard for me to love you if you ever got fat, which was (laughs) literally like the worst (laughs) thing I could have ever said to a woman at the time. I didn't know it. Right. And honestly, like frontal that was, lobe, not totally developed uh, on that statement. Gosh, I mean, so <laughs> underdeveloped. It's not even funny. So, I mean, but that, like, that was, um, I think, something that was deposited in me, like a, like a, an issue that was deposited in me as a kid, and like something that I wanted. I had like this image of myself, like this, um, almost like this idol of what I wanted to be, what I wanted myself to be, and what I wanted my family to look like. And so I projected that onto my wife, and really, um, just really built trust issues and built walls in our marriage early on through that one statement. And I think in that one statement, honestly, and then her reaction to that statement, um, I would really, um, um, almost like solidify like a stronghold that I would have as a man that I would have to work through. So for me, um, working through that, um, was literally laying that idea down, laying that idol down of worrying about my wife's weight and worrying about my wife. And she, by the way, she, I met her, she was 110 pounds and she wasn't much more than that when she left this earth. I mean, she's this beautiful little girl. So it was like, it was much more a mental issue for me than it was any kind of a physical issue for her. And so yeah. it was just, you know, stupidity at its best. Um, but intentionality for me looked like intentionally laying that down, the thought life when the thoughts would creep up because they would, or when I had like this moment of wanting to say something about what she was eating or whatever. I mean, I know a, guy, a lot of guys struggle with that and that was a real one for me. And, um, 
I'm just thankful that, I, that that wasn't one that she had to worry about when she left this earth, you know, hmm. that I had to worry about when she left this earth. So, yeah, you guys came from pretty different backgrounds, right? Going into marriage. Yeah. She was a inner city girl, like literally streets of Baltimore, um, grew up. Her dad was a drug addict. Um, her mom and her grandma raised her. And, um, in like, I mean, think row house, think, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the show, the wire or any of those HBO shows about mm. Baltimore city, but that's where she grew up and how she grew up. And, um, she actually, uh, bust out three city buses to get to her private school that she went to. So her entry into a life beyond the streets of Baltimore was the private school that she was able to get into and went to for free, uh, because her, her mom couldn't afford it. And I grew up in a little rural, a lot of people don't think these exist, but a rural South Jersey town that was really like, a lot like Franklin, Tennessee, like just very rural town, out mm. a suburb of Philadelphia, and um, just grew up uh, with Christian parents uh, that, um, you know, I'd call them Bible thumpers for the most part. They really were, and they, uh, they, but they lived it out. And so I just grew up with this perspective, this kind of um, Christian perspective on life. And she grew up in a Christian home as well. Um, but I grew up with, you know, two parent household, and I think honestly, like that. I kind of grew up with this self-righteousness because I thought I had it all together. And if I just didn't have sex and I didn't drink and I didn't smoke, then I was like, you know, doing the right things. And right. so I kind of came in with this really legalistic perspective and um, this really uh, self-righteous perspective of what I was bringing to our marriage. So hmm. didn't help me. Didn't help me at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what were the early years like? Like what, what were some of the things coming from those different backgrounds? And as you guys get married and start a family pretty young, like what were some of the things that you guys were like clashing against? Yeah. I mean, there's a story that tells it best. I, I would say that, um, that my expectation of winter, um, which we, I don't know if I've said her name yet, but her name is winter. Um, uh, my expectations of winter was that, um, she'd be my mom, which was, uh, horrible. Uh, my mom's a, an amazing woman, but winter was not my mother. And that my expectation that she would be was wrong from the jump. And winter, it's was that, like, sorry, let me interrupt you for a second. Sure. Was that like a conscious thought or was that like a subconscious like did no, you go was, into it really thinking it or were you just like subconsciously hoping that she's gonna like take care of you yeah it was subconscious in the sense that like i knew what i wanted like i wanted her to be like this domesticated woman that cleaned and cooked and did all these traditional things that my mom did which was really traditional my dad worked my mom was home for the most for most of my life so i just had these ideas about what a woman was supposed to be and what a guy was supposed to be and my dad was the provider and the protector and my parents are amazing people by the way um so it wasn't this isn't an indictment of my parents are amazing people but i just had this expectation that she would do the things that my mother did and winter was a entrepreneur and a creative and like her idea of being domestic was ordering chick-fil-a for dinner you know on a night <laughs> like cooking so, like, she was not that girl right and then what's funny is her perspective of me i didn't learn this until we were writing the book we were together at a hotel and she says hey come read this for me tell me what you think and she proceeds to, I proceed to read um, this little short story she wrote about growing up with her mom and her grandmom. She slept with her grandmom, um, this row home, the bottom floor in her grandmother's bed with her grandmom. Her mom um, had a bedroom upstairs and she would sleep with her grandmom every night. And her grandmother, you know, she just kind of would watch what she watched. So one of the movies that she watched in 1989, the movie Pretty Woman comes out. Mm -hmm. So her grandma watches Pretty, have you seen Pretty Woman, by the way? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so her grandma watches Pretty Woman. And so winter, like without knowing it forms this, cause she didn't have any men real, like real men in her life, um, that were kind of, she had some uncles that were, you know, walking with the Lord and walking well, but not really up close and personal. So her perspective of what a man should be was Richard Gere loving Julia Roberts, hmm. who at the time was prostitute. <laughs> so, it's right, just like, right. so it was just this perspective, um, of, you know, and all, all I know about Richard Gere, I don't think I've ever even seen the movie. I've seen like, you know, clip snippets of it, but 
like all I know about Richard Gere and the persona he had and has in Hollywood is that he's just this good looking dude that is just charming. And I was everything but that, you know, so it's just we laughed so hard as I read that story because she she never vocalized it until she wrote it out. And then she's like, mm. oh, yeah, this is why we've clashed. <laughs> you know? Interesting. I'm supposed to be your mom and you're supposed to be Richard Gere. So, yeah. yeah. What was it like when you like realize at what point in your marriage were you like, OK, she's not going to play the role that I've subconsciously set up for her, which I imagine led to some bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do you go from that? Like, how do you go from the point where you're, you're thinking she's not going to fulfill that role to making a switch to say, how can I help her become who God has designed her to be, which is that entrepreneurial, you know, go get her, whatever her personality was like, what was mm-hmm. that shift like in your mind? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say I made the conscious decision, uh, mm. I, I I solidified that conscious decision in my head probably around year five. And what I would say about winter is um, it would probably be around year seven of our marriage where she would even be really kind of set free from some father wounds that she had, just some of the mm-hmm. stuff that she was going through. And I believe that my obedience to begin walking out what it looked like to love her well, despite what I what I expected, despite what my expectations were, or even seeing like real flaws that she had, you know, like because she's a human, you know. Um, me making that decision and then walking it out, opened the door for her to do really well, what, what she was called to do, um, which was writing to, to girls and uh, moms of girls. And she just began to flourish in a way. And you know, what's, what's sad. The thing that I'm the most sad about is I wish I would have known earlier, um, just the gifting and the sheer passion and ability that my wife had. I was so stuck in this mindset of I'm the one bringing the goods to this marriage. I'm the one that has stuff to offer to the world. And all the while, like I I'm supposed to be supporting her in a bunch of that mm-hmm. stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And so th- thankfully I came to that realization and thankfully I supported her in it. And man, but I tell you, like I, I could not be more proud of who my wife was, uh, who she is and, um, and the mark that she's left on this world. It's really incredible and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's got a real legacy. You know, there's a, a verse, uh, uh, Acts thirteen thirty six. it says that David served the purposes of God for his generation and then he fell asleep. And one of the things I'm really grateful for with my wife is I can honestly say that she served the purpose that God made her to serve in this world mm. for her generation before she fell asleep, that she accomplished the task, you know, she finished, she finished strong. So really grateful man, for that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing, you. man. Tell me about that. How did you guys get to the title emptied? Like what, what, what's the book at its core about? What's the, the core message of it? Sure. Um, so emptied comes from Philippians chapter two. It says uh, basically that although Jesus was uh, equal with God, he didn't take his equality uh, as something to be grasped, but took on the form of a servant, um, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I remember uh, we were actually uh, on our way, uh, like the best vacation we've ever had. And it was in 2017, early 2017, we were on our way uh, to Maui and we're on the plane. I'm just, we had no Wi-Fi, So we're just writing and talking together and dreaming. And I had just done a devotional um, for my staff on that scripture, like the week before. And I just began to write out like, cause that, that verse to me is like, you know, the Bible says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Like that looks like something. Mm-hmm. And so Philippians two is this perfect described description of Jesus, like setting aside everything that he was owed, everything that um, he deserved in order to serve you and I. And the Bible tells us that that's how we're supposed to serve our, our spouses, you know? And so, um, so anyway, it came out of that, that thought, um, and just her and I digging deep into that scripture and understanding that's a process known as I think uh, kenosis, which we didn't get deep into the theology of it really. We just got, because 
it's a you know it's a little bit different for us than it is for Jesus to empty ourselves, obviously. Right, but uh, right. but you know the the analogy or the, the the word picture of that, it's just a beautiful thing. And for us, one of the things we realized is it would take a couple of years, I would say five years, for us to really understand that that's what was supposed to be happening. We were doing parts of that, like the first couple of years of our marriage, but by like the the by the second leg of our with three legs to our marriage, you know, first five years, second five, third five. By that second leg. Um, I feel like that we knew that was the process we needed to be committed to for each other in order to love each other well, just like emptying ourselves of our expectations, even the like the, the deficiencies that we had still, um, the hurts that we had, like letting all those things go and intentionally working them out of our marriage so that in those last five years, we didn't know it'll, it'll only be five years, but so that those last years of our marriage, God would fill us up with the things he wanted to fill us up with um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control you know, all those different things that, that God provides. Um, so, and we really, I mean, honestly, when I look back, like I just watched that happening in our marriage in increasing measure, so to say, um, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What would you say to a a husband? There's a lot of them listening right now. (laughs) And, uh, I, I think one of the things that we deal with a lot as men is apathy. Um, you just kind of get, set in our ways. We go to work, we come home, we like go through our routine. And obviously your routine was shaken up like dramatically, um, not too long ago. What would you say to a guy who's maybe just like in the routine right now? Um, just kind of coasting through life. Like what would, based on your experience the la- this last year, what would be your words for him? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, as men, you know, the Bible says husbands love, or no, sorry, the Bible says, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And I think as men, we're really good at loving God with all of our mind and all of our strength. Like we can read, we can study, we can work, we can do all these things that are, um, that are kind of manly things to do, like in our jobs and our homes, like we'll protect, we'll provide like all those things that require us doing, but loving our God with our heart and our soul, um, looks different than that. Uh, Ellie Weisel, who's old, uh, well, he's not living anymore, but he's a Holocaust survivor. You've probably heard this quote. He says, uh, the opposite of love is not the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And Mm. I would say that just loving our wives with our minds and, you know, the protecting and the providing and those things, um, it's not full love. And it's easy to default to that because as men, we do those things typically pretty well. It's much harder to love our wives and to love God with our heart and with our soul. Um, so I would say dig deeper, like the the things that they, the the things they want to see out of their wives, uh, and the things that we all as men want to see out of our wives only happen as we support them and love them fully. And that means digging a little deeper and loving them at a, at a soul level and a heart level. That's really not natural for us to do. Um, and that looks like, you know, uh, the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. It looks like not being indifferent. It looks like being intentional. It looks like doing the things um, that you don't want to do that don't feel natural. I'll give you the example of the best one that I did. And I'm so thankful. This is God's grace to me. So 27 days before my wife died was our, was our 15 year anniversary. And I was trying to figure out, I could never surprise my wife in a really, she loves surprises and I was horrible at it. Right. So I just, for a time I just gave up, right. I just put this lackluster effort in. And I remember hearing this song, um, by this couple, Caleb and Kelsey and, um, um, it's a two, one's a country song and one's like a Christian song. I'm forgetting the title off the top of my head, but, um, I knew, I heard this song and I'm like, I would love to dance with my wife to this song for a 15 year anniversary. And I had no idea how to pull it off. I'm not super creative. 
So what I did, like me not being indifferent, looked like me calling the most creative guy in my life and saying, Cameron, like, help me figure this out. Like, I want to dance with my wife to this song on her 15 year anniversary. Can you show me what that looked like? And just that little bit of intentionality was enough to get Cameron's creative juices flowing. And Cameron helped me plan out this beautiful dessert. My wife's favorite dessert was chocolate chip cookie dough and Coke. So we had dinner at this beautiful steakhouse, had a great steak. And then we drive up to this, this mansion um, that was owned by a ministry that was near and dear to my heart. That was a studio. We drive up to this mansion. It's candlelit with our favorite dessert, cookie dough and Coke on the table. Um, and music's playing. We walk in, we have dessert. And then all of a sudden this song comes on and under candlelight and some other like cool ambiance, we just danced this song. And mm. the best thing about it, if you, you could find it on YouTube, but the best thing about it is as we're dancing to this song, like I can look at my wife's face and see this joy in her eyes and in her mm. smile that I knew was her knowing that she was fully loved, like in mm. that moment. And that wasn't natural for me to do. Like it just, I, thankfully, uh, you know, even for me, like I feel like that was one of God's greatest gifts to me at the end of my marriage was him saying, one, I got you. And two, like you did do this well, you know, like it, you, you weren't perfect, you know, you messed up a lot, but I want to remind you of you know the things that you were doing well. And so that, that dance to me and being able to capture it on video was one of those things. But like my intentionality was just trying to figure out, okay, I don't have certain gifts. So how do I compensate for those? And for me, that was picking up the phone to call another guy around me that would help me through that process. So I would say not being indifferent, but going out of your way to figure out how to compensate for the areas that you're weak or the areas that you struggle. And that could be with like trying to surprise your wife, but it could also be with like, you know, your addiction to porn or whatever, whatever you're dealing with in your marriage that, that that's really difficult. And that's causing either disunity or causing discomfort in your marriage or causing um, lack of intimacy or whatever it is. Man, dude, you got me all teared up, man. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I'm surprised I'm not teared up yet. I mean, it's so weird, like this grieving thing, because like I was crying a couple hours ago and now I feel like fine. Like, you know, it's just such a weird thing. I'm sure it's a roller coaster, man. I'm sure it's just a roller coaster. I can't imagine. Bro, I I know you have so much going on. I I really appreciate you coming on and sharing a bit of your story. I encourage all the listeners to go pick up a copy of Emptied wherever that sold, which I'm sure is everywhere. But head over to Amazon. You guys have a website or anything you want the listeners to check out? Yeah. So for girls like you.com is my wife's ministry. Uh, they, we have a magazine for girls and then other resources, resources for parents of girls and also emptied, which is a resource for, you know, just people that are married or want looking to be married. But, uh, for girls like you.com, all of our resources are there and, um, would love for them to check it out. Yeah. What's the best way to stay connected with you? You on social media or anything? Yeah. Uh, Instagram is pits, J-R-2-6. pits, P I T T S J R two six. And, Bro, uh, did you come up with that when you were like in high school? I know it's. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd have got Jonathan Pitts. You know, like uh, no, yeah. that's just a classic. Like when we're like young, just make up these crazy names. I love exactly. It. But now it's like I'm stuck with it. You know, so, <laughs> right? So, yeah. so I kind of got distracted. Tell me what it was again. Pitts Jr. Two six P I T T S Jr. Two six. All right, I'll go and add you, man. Sorry that I made fun of your name. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> I felt like an idiot when I, like, after I realized what I did, you know, now I'm too deep in. So. Oh, man. Dude, super good talking to you. Uh, I'll continue to be in prayer for you and your girls as you continue just to grieve over the next few years. Uh, we'll be keeping you guys in prayers. I know you got a long road ahead of you, but God is with you. Thank you, man. I'm just looking forward to seeing how God continues to use you. Yeah, thank you. Prayers, I mean, honestly, like the thing that we need the most, I know it's kind of cliche to say, but I feel the prayers of a massive community around me and I'm okay. Yeah. 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 All Thank right, you. Man. Thank you. God bless.
Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, one of the easiest ways for you to support the Dad Tired Ministry is just to take 30 seconds and leave a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, the way their algorithm works, that's that's just the easiest way for us to get in front of more guys, which continues to grow the ministry and most importantly, keeps pointing guys towards Jesus. Uh, so if you would, just take a few seconds, leave an honest rating and review. It's really helpful for us. Uh, if you're not part of our community, make sure to go over to dadtire.com. Lots of free stuff over there and ways to get connected with what we're doing. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. See you.